This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. We'll be reading this morning in the book of Ephesians. And before we read our text, just give a little context, information about this book. It was a letter of Paul written to the church at a city called Ephesus. If you know anything about Ephesus in Bible times, it was a very prominent city. They reckon it was probably the third or fourth largest city in the world at that time. It was a great center of trade, but the thing that really uh, gave it notoriety is that it was home to one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, and that was the Temple of Artemis, or the Temple of Diana. And so that was a city that was known for idolatry, and we also find that it was a city that was known for magic. Uh, After many of the folks there in Ephesus believed, they ended up burning some of their books of magic, and the value of what they burned was 50,000 pieces of silver. So a tremendous investment had been made by the people in Ephesus in their idolatry and, and in their magic. And these were people who had a lot of spiritual sensitivity, a lot of spiritual interest that was totally misplaced. And so when we come to this book of Ephesians, the first three chapters, Paul is just uh, unpacking or the first two chapters, I should say, he's really unpacking these spiritual blessings that Christ has given them. All these things that they have in heavenly places. And as he finishes this part of the book where he's telling them, this is what Christ has given to you, he comes to the why. Why God has done this for them. He draws their focus to the love of God. I'd like for us to read this morning in Ephesians chapter 3, beginning in verse 14. It says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning, this opportunity to be gathered together in your name. Thank you for your word and the truths that we find in it. And so, Lord, I pray now that you would open our hearts, open our minds to receive what you have for us. I pray that your Holy Spirit would be at work. I pray you would help me, Lord, to to do justice to this wonderful topic. You'd speak to all of us. We ask all of this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, today is Valentine's Day. I hope that's not a surprise to anyone sitting here. It's a day that we... Uh, celebrate love. It's a chance for us to express our love to those who are dear to us. Spouses, family members, uh, maybe special friends, and I think that's good and right. It's a wonderful opportunity. And isn't it interesting how love always finds a way to express itself? For a little child, uh, according to their own resources, they're going to express love, maybe in a hug. Maybe a dandelion that they picked up by the side of the sidewalk. 
For those of us who are older, with our greater resources, we might, we might use different things to express love. Maybe, maybe some people use some roses or flowers today to express love, or some chocolate, a, a love letter, a ring is an expression of love. And so there's many ways that it, it finds expression, even with our finite and our flawed love, human love, we find a way to express it according to our resources. But this morning, we're looking at the love of God that is so much greater, that is infinite, and it's perfect, and it's expressed in infinite ways. And it expressed most perfectly for us in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the expression of God's love. And so Paul begins to try to draw their attention to the love of God, the love of Christ. And he phrases it here in the form of a prayer. He said, this is a prayer that I'm praying for you. And he writes out what he was praying for them about understanding the love of Christ. You know, he understood that these truths was spiritually discerned, was spiritually perceived. And he wanted them to get it. He wanted them to grasp it. And, and so he begins his prayer. He says, I bow my knees to the Father. In verse 15, the whole family of heaven and earth is named. He said, this is our heavenly Father I'm praying to. What does he pray? In verse 16, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. And before he even gets to the love of Christ, he, he brings up these things. These, these are the prerequisites. These are the things we've got to have to be able to truly understand the magnitude of the love of God. He says, I'm praying that you will be strengthened with might, that the Holy Spirit will, will strengthen you within, that, that in that indwelling of the Spirit where Christ dwells in us, that that would, that would be in you. You know, I've been reading Job lately, and there's a few passages in Job where the, the Lord is speaking to Job, and he says to Job, he says, gird up your loins like a man. As an expression of Bible times, it, it says, time to get down to business. It's time to, time to get ready for action. Today we might say, buckle up. Get ready. And this is what Paul is saying here. He says, I'm praying that God will strengthen you within. That, that, that Christ will be in your heart richly with faith so that you can grasp this. You can understand this. And we can just see the awe that Paul had for the love of God. And so what I'd like for us to consider this morning is the magnitude of of Christ's love. The magnitude of Christ's love. What was it that inspired such awe in Paul as he approached this, this sacred subject? First of all, we see that Christ's love is undeserved. It is undeserved. We just read verse 16 and 17 where he prayed that they would be strengthened with might in the inner man by the Holy Spirit, that Christ would dwell in their hearts by faith. Here's what he says, that ye being rooted and grounded in love. And we have a couple of pictures here. First of all, this idea of, of being rooted. It's the picture of a plant. A plant that is growing up, that is rooted in love. Maybe there's some of you here this morning who are who are gardeners, who like to plant things. 
And you might look out in your garden and you say, you know, why is there a row of lettuce in my garden? Why is there a row of carrots in my garden? Well, it's there because you decided that you wanted that vegetable, you took the seeds, you put it out there, you cultivated it until you could hopefully get a great harvest of whatever that vegetable was. You, as the gardener, were the one that made the choice, say, I want this to grow up. I want this to happen. And Paul compares that to us. If you're a child of God, if you're planted a plant growing up in Jesus Christ, it's because God loved you. He wanted you to grow up. He said, I want to have a rich harvest in your life. He says, you're rooted in love. That's where it all comes from. He says, you're grounded in love. And this is the idea of a foundation. You know, you might drive around here, you see a beautiful house. You see a beautiful building. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? You say, that house really deserved to be built. That building, I mean, it just had to be built. It just deserved to be built. No. We say, wow, what an architect. I mean, look at the plan they made. Look at how nicely it came out. And Paul says, your, 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 your foundation comes because of love, because, because God wanted to build you up in Christ. And so if you're a plant growing up in Christ, if you say, I, I know the Lord, I have new life in Christ, if you're a building being built for His glory, it's because of God's love, and it's, it's not because of anything in us. It's undeserved. And Paul was very, very aware of this. Hold your place in Ephesians and turn over to the book of 1 Timothy, just a couple pages over. 1 Timothy chapter 1. We often think of Paul as a saint, and he was. He was a remarkable man, a man of holiness, a man of righteousness. Paul had a past. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12, it says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. You know, Paul was not proud of his past. We understand that. He, he talks about that in many occasions. And, and, and he says, you know, I did all these things. I did these horrible things. I was trying to kill Christians. I was blaspheming the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I was opposing righteousness. He, he said, yeah, I did it in ignorance. I did it in unbelief. I didn't know. I didn't believe. But that's no consolation to him. He's looking back and he's seeing these things. And yet, he says, God loved me anyway. He had mercy on me. Not only did He save me, He put me in the ministry. And I can look back at all those things, and instead of that shame, it just gives me even more joy in the love that God has given to me. Uh, that may be you today. Perhaps you're here, and you have things in your past that you're not proud of. Perhaps those things have, have even kept you from trusting in Christ. You say, I can't be good. I've got a record. I know myself. God loves you. He can save you. And for those of us who say, I, I know the Lord, and I look back with such shame on things that I've done, even since I've known the Lord. As, as the Lord shows us the depths of our own sinfulness, sometimes those are the times He'll show us the depths of His love in the greatest way. 
Paul said, I did all these things, but God loved me anyway. His love is undeserved, and I'm now rooted and grounded in love. This isn't my birthright. This isn't what I deserve. This is what Jesus Christ gave to me because he just chose to love me. God's love, undeserved. But he said not only that, God's love is unfathomable. If you'll go back to Ephesians chapter 3. Verse 17 said we're, you're rooted and grounded in love. Verse 18 he says, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. Said a moment ago, God's love is unfathomable. And that's a word that, that, that had a use in this area. You know, when the, the sailors were going in and out of harbors and rivers and places like that, they would fathom the depths of that place. And they used to actually have a fathoming line. I don't know if they still do that sort of thing. But I know that they, had, they would drop it down and see how many fathoms to the bottom so they could know if it was safe for their ship. But at a certain point, as they would get out into the open ocean, they didn't have a line long enough to fathom the depths of the ocean. It was unfathomable. And even today, with our modern technology, uh, there's the deepest parts of the ocean are still a great mystery to us. And God's love is like that. It's, it's unfathomable. We can't possibly get to the limits of it. And yet Paul says, I want you to try to comprehend it. And he says, I want you to comprehend it with all the saints. Every saint, every, everyone who's been saved and washed by the blood of Jesus Christ ought to have an interest in this. He said, all of us together, we need to turn our, turn our thoughts and turn our hearts towards the love of God. And so it's right that all of us together this morning should join together and try to understand the true magnitude of the love of Christ. How many of you remember the kids' song, Deep and Wide? Deep and Wide. You know, that's what we're going to talk about. Because he starts talking about the dimensions, the depth, the width. And so let's look just how, just how great is the love of Christ. And we understand these aren't actual physical dimensions. There's no, nothing in human science or human experience that can possibly measure. And yet he says, I want, you to, I want you to think about these things. First of all, the breadth. How broad is the love of God? How broad is the love of Jesus Christ? I want to make you turn here because most of us can probably say this verse by heart. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. God loved the world. It doesn't get broader than that. Of course it's not talking about the earth, the ball of dirt that we live on. He's talking about the people of the world. And he's saying God's love encompasses every person on the world. Every human who's ever lived, in every age, in any place, of every race, God loves them. You know, people like the word inclusive these days. Can I tell you what's inclusive? The love of God. There's nothing more inclusive than the love of God. Even the people that we would have the most difficult time loving and accepting and sympathizing with, God loves that person. God's love is broad. It encompasses the entire world, every person that has ever been born. God loves them. What of the length? How long 
is Jesus' love. How far does it go? Back in the Old Testament, the children of Israel might have wondered that. They had failed God so many times, made so many mistakes, and yet God comes back to them in Jeremiah, in chapter 31, to remind them of something. Jeremiah, chapter 31, in verse 3, he says, The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love, therefore with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Everlasting love. You know, God isn't bound by time and space like we are. And so, and so God's love goes back before time even began, and when time has come to a close and this world does not even exist anymore, God's love continues. It's an everlasting love. You know, I remember the first time I met my wife. I remember the first time I told her that I loved her. And we have special firsts that we remember. Maybe you have some special firsts that you remember with a, with a dear one, with a loved one. You know, God's love doesn't have any firsts. He doesn't have a memory of when he first began to love you. He has always loved you. It is an everlasting love. And he will love you right on and into eternity. That will never end. God's love abides forever. That's the length of God's love. So it's broad. It encompasses all men. It's, it's long. It encompasses all time. The depth. The depth. How deep is the love of Christ. In my Bible, you can look across the page and see this verse, Ephesians 4.9, if you're still there at our text, Ephesians 3. Ephesians 4.9, he's, he's talking about Christ and His ascension, but, but in verse 9 he says, now, now that He ascended, what is it but that He also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He descended. How deep is, is Christ's love? What caused him to leave the heights of heaven and descend down to the lower parts of the earth? That's where we live. What depths Christ humbled himself to? We can't imagine the glory and the dominion that he had up in heaven, but the Bible tells us that he humbled himself. He emptied himself of all that glory and splendor. He came to be born as a humble child, he lived a life of suffering in this world just like we do. He suffered hunger and thirst and loneliness and pain. That's how deep the love of Christ is, but it doesn't stop there. Because Christ's love took him to the very depths of the earth. He went to the cross. He laid down his life. And he was put in that grave. It doesn't get deeper than that. Christ himself said in John 15, 13, Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. That is the deep depth of Christ's love. He was willing to go from glory in heaven to come down to this sin-cursed earth and finally to give his life on the cross to go into that tomb because he loved us. And that was the way that He could save us and wash away our sins. That is the depth 
of Christ's love. He gave his life so that we might become the friends of God. Christ's love is broad, it's long, it's deep. What of the height? The height of Christ's love. How high does it go? Hold your place in, in Ephesians chapter 3, and we're going to look at another passage about the love of Christ, Romans chapter 8. We don't have time to get into this, but what a wonderful passage that reminds us, because of its vastness, we'll never be separated from the love of Christ. But the verse I want us to look at right now is Romans in chapter 8 and verse 37. He said, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. We're more than conquerors through him that loved us. When we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, he gives us exaltation and victory in this life. We will face opposition, we will face difficulty, we will face suffering, but Christ in his love is the one who leads us from victory to victory. As we rise in our likeness to Christ, as we become more and more holy and righteous by following the Lord, He makes us more than conquerors. And in this life, it's as though He's exalting us more and more as we grow to know Him. Even when we are suffering, even when this outer man is destroyed, we have that victory within, the joy that comes with knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. But of course, it doesn't stop there either. Back in Ephesians, uh, just a page back from where we're looking in Ephesians 3, let's read some verses in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 4. How high does the love of God go? Let's read these verses. But God, this is verse 4, Ephesians 2, 4. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. So God loved us with great love. What did he do? Well, when he raised Jesus from the dead, from the depths of the earth, he raised us too. When we trust in Christ, we're in Christ. And so that means we died with Christ. We rose with Him and are ascended with Him. And Jesus Christ today is seated at the right hand of the Father, reigning in heaven, and we have a place with Him. And the Bible tells us, it makes it clear in the ages to come, that God is going to glorify us and show the entire universe the glory of His love by allowing us to rule and reign with Him in His kingdom. And that someday we'll have a home with Him in heaven forever. That's high. That is the height of God's love that would take us from the depths and lift us up in this life with the power of His Holy Spirit. Give us a place in His kingdom. Give us a home in heaven. Christ's love is unfathomable in its breadth in its length, in its depth, in its height, and we get to enter in to this immense love through faith. When we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we repent of our sins, 
we take him as our Savior, we enter into that love in all of its greatness. Christ's love is unfathomable. One more thing here I'd like for us to, to consider in the text. Ephesians chapter 3, once again, we just read verse 18 about the breadth, the length, the depth, the height of Christ's love. Verse 19, it says, And to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Christ's love is inexhaustible. We never be used up, will never fully be, be comprehended. He uses this word here in verse 19, to know. To know the love of Christ. You know, in English we have just this one word, know, and it's got a lot of meaning. I think I remember from my high school Spanish that there was at least a couple words that you could use for know, and they had a different shade of meaning. And I know for sure that in the Cambodian language that we use over there, there's actually three different words that they use for knowing that we could translate to know. I'll give you an example. Let's say I was driving down the highway, so-called, in Cambodia, and suddenly I realize something's wrong. I pull off to the side of the road, and I realize I've got a flat tire. This is not a hypothetical situation. This happens all the time. <laughs> um, and so, uh, you know, one of the farmers in the field there, he comes over there, he, he uses one of the words for, for no, dung. Do you, you, you know you have a flat tire. Yes, I know I have a flat tire, okay? I, that's knowing a fact. Well, he, he uses another one, Jeff. Do, do you know, know how to change a tire? Well, yes, yeah, I know how to change a tire. There's another word, the idea of knowing how to do some sort of skill. But here's the important one. I'm going to use the other one, squaw. I'm going to ask him, do you know a tire repairman? And that's the idea of, of personally knowing someone or something. Or it can also be used for, for an experience, like to say, I, I have known suffering. I've known joy. And that's the word that's here, this personal, experiential knowledge. Paul said, I want you to know the love of Christ in a personal way, in an experiential way. We sing the song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And for some of us, that's where it stops. It's just a, it's just a data point. The Bible says Jesus loves me, so yes. That's a good start. But Paul says, I want you to really understand it. I want you to know it in your heart. And, and, and of course, he says then, know the love of Christ that passeth knowledge. It's, it's beyond knowing. And we know that in some sense, we'll never fully understand the love of Christ till we're in heaven. Paul said, now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Someday we'll, someday we'll really be able to know. We'll really understand just how vast Christ's love is. But he says, I want you to know it. And it's clear that the Lord wants us to know as much as humanly possible. And look, then he, he puts on another statement that seems at first like it can't make sense. He says, I want you to be filled with all the fullness of God. All the fullness of God. God fills the universe. One human being can't possibly contain all that. And this idea of unlimited knowledge and unlimited fullness that the Lord wants to pour into us. An inexhaustible supply. 
And Paul said, I want you to know as much as you can possibly know, and I want you to be as full as you can possibly be full of the fullness of God, because there's always more that he's longing to give to us. So there's, there's clearly a level, a capacity to which we can know God's love, and it's clear that the more that we understand and appreciate this love, the better able we'll be able to live our lives for God. Turn over to 2 Corinthians in chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 14. As Paul considered the ramifications of the love of Christ in his own life, we know he had a deep appreciation for it. He realized that it was undeserved. He had tried to fathom the limitless depths of the, of the love of Christ. He realized it was unexhaustible. And in verse 14, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, it says, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge, if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. So look at the love of Christ. He gave his life. He died for us. He rose again. This love, he said, it constrains me. It controls me. This is, this is what motivates me and keeps me going, the love of Christ when I consider it. And look at what Paul did. He traveled throughout the world. He preached. He endured persecution. He endured imprisonment. He was used of the Lord in a mighty way. He said, what was behind it? What was the engine? The love of Christ. And even in this book of Ephesians, he's been unpacking for them all these wonderful things God has done. Why? The love of Christ. It constrains us. In the book of Jude, verse 21, he exhorted, he said, keep yourselves in the love of God. Keep yourselves in the love of God. And so this morning, I hope that Paul's prayer can become our prayer. That we would have this desire to know more and more of the love of Jesus Christ. Perhaps you're here this morning and you've never put your faith personally in the Lord Jesus Christ. You've never believed. I want to remind you, He loves you. You might have a record, like Paul, that you're ashamed of, but just like Paul, you too can be forgiven by the love of Jesus Christ and be able to look back with rejoicing just like He did. There's no depth to which Christ cannot reach in His love, and there's no height to which He will not take you. I would urge you this morning, if you don't yet know the Lord Jesus Christ, that today would be the day to, to, to dip your toe, to take that first step into this immense love of Jesus Christ. It's like nothing else. And if you're here this morning, you say, I'm a believer. I know that Christ in His love has washed my sins away. He's given me a new heart. The Holy Spirit dwells within me. You know the love of Christ in some degree. And my hope and my prayer this morning is that, that your heart would be stirred up to have a greater understanding and appreciation for God's love. In this, in this last verse, he, he says, I want you to know the love of Christ in order that you can be filled with all the fullness of God. And this is one of the ways that the Lord wants to equip us to live the Christian life and to serve Him and to have victory and joy day by day is to understand and to know the love of Christ.
And so in a moment, we'll have a time of invitation. Maybe you'd like to take that time to echo Paul's prayer for yourself. Say, Lord, strengthen me with might in my inner man. Help me to be able to get a hold of just how broad and how far and, and how deep and how high your love reaches. Fill me with your fullness. Fill me with the knowledge of your love. Let's pray in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for the love that you've given to us. We didn't deserve it. And you just chose, Lord, to love us, not for any merit in and of ourselves. And yet, Lord, what a wonderful thing you've done in cleansing us from our sins and giving us new life. And so, Father, I pray that if there's one here today who does not yet know your love, does not yet know that new life, Lord, that this would be the morning that they would truly understand that. Lord, that they would put aside any excuses or shame. Lord, that they would put their trust in you and know what it means to be loved by the God of all creation. Lord, for those of us who are believers, I pray that you would give us a new vision of your love this morning that would motivate us, that would compel us, that would constrain us, that we would be filled with your fullness. Pray that you would work in our midst, and we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Toward the hope of our high calling, toward the promise we've received. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened and God's Word has had an impact on your life as together we strive to show forth the path of life. Press on.